Welcome to the Shelfformers Podcast, the show about toys, why we like them, our connections to the figures, and their relevance to bigger topics. I'm your co-host, Sugu, and tonight we're going to talk about Obi-Wan Episode 1, 2, and 3. And I'm your co-host, Darby, and a special guest will join us to talk about whether or not Obi-Wan breaks continuity. Before we begin, by way of introduction, I'm Darby Harn, the author of the novels Ever the Hero and A Country of Eternal Light. I'm a senior writer for Screen Rant. I collect comic books, Star Wars toys, and things I really should not be buying. <laughs> and I'm Sugu, your co-host. I work in IT and education, and I'm also passionate about writing and story. You can find some of my travel writings on allaboutjapan.com, where I've written various articles about my life and perspectives in Japan. I collect mostly Transformers, but I've recently started collecting Marvel Legends figures and die-cast cars, such as Hot Wheels. Since living in Japan, I've developed an interest in tabletop gaming, so I also have a wide collection of board games. Tonight, we have a special guest to talk with us about uh, Obi-Wan, the new show. Uh, we are so far, at the time of recording, there's episode one, two, and three out. Um, and I'd like to introduce our special guest. Today we have Michael Rex. Michael, how are you doing? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, very happy to have Michael on. Uh, Michael and I have uh, known each other for a while. Uh, fellow Star Wars collectors, going back a ways, and um, actually the first time we've ever actually talked <laughs> in person. Uh, so it's very this cool. time this time yeah but yeah <laughs> welcome welcome michael and i thought um we're both collectors we're both writers michael so i thought i would uh introduce you to our listeners real quick let them know all the amazing stuff that you're doing um so michael rex has been writing and illustrating books for children since 1995 he has made over 50 books including the number one bestseller goodnight goon and the popular Fangbone series which have been which have been made into an animated TV show. He's also the creator of Eat Pete and Facts versus Opinions versus Robots. His newest book, Your Pal Fred, is a feel-good comedy graphic novel about the nicest boy in the apocalypse. So this is your brand new book, uh, Michael. Yeah. It just came out uh, last Tuesday, right? Yeah, I know we're not gonna... I'm holding the book up and it looks great, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does. Yeah, it's a big fact graphic novel. It's about 260 pages, full color. And it's a very, it's, um, as, as the marketing department called it, they said it's uh, Mr. Rogers on Fury Road. So it's a little boy robot <laughs> programmed with kindness, who is, and I have wanted to do a post-apocalyptic story all my life. The problem with doing a post-apocalyptic story for kids is first you have to destroy most of the world. And you sort of like, how do you make right. that, that not terrible? And then how do you make it funny? So it took a while to come up, but when I hit this idea, this little super positive guy in this world, and this was, you know, it's funny because a lot of people comparing it to Ted Lasso, uh, but I wrote this about the first drafts were about four years ago and back in the end of 18. So, um, you know, it was, uh, I think it was just in the air. There's a whole, um, schools are doing 
units on kindness and stuff. So it's I think it's just been a good timing for it. Yeah, that's fantastic. What was kind of your inspiration for it outside of wanting to do something with the apocalypse? <laughs> um. Well, you know, it's weird. It just is. Um, and that was a lot of it. And I really wanted to draw something. I also wanted to draw, there's, a, you know, the children's market graphic novels was exploding. I mean, they, like, Scholastic yeah. outsells in D.C., I believe. I'm not going to they're, they're, they're If not, they're close. Um, a lot of the graphic novels for, for in the young market right now are school-oriented stories. And I was just like, I, I don't want to do fantasy. I don't want to do a school-oriented thing. I've always loved science fiction. Now, this isn't high science fiction, but it's at least a futuristic, there's a futuristic uh, bent to it. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, I like fish-out-of-water stories. Fangbone uh, was a fish-out-of-water. And, you know, and again, how do you make it funny for kids? How can you, uh, you know, open up this whole idea? And then this this dichotomy of this sweetness, again, in this road warrior world just made me laugh and laugh and and then it, it really came quickly and then it was like this is working and yeah oh did you guys oh, now sugo i'm sorry you you write as well i do but i uh i write mostly travel writing stuff um you can see me on like uh all about japan and i've been in i've been published in uh this other book called to japan with love um yeah, so I'm I'm more on the travel writing nonfiction side of it. I'm trying to break into creative writing uh, fiction, but uh, I have no practice with that. So we've we've done several episodes about how I can get into it and how I can do it. Well, you know, again, the, the first thing you've got to do, I mean, is you got to have you got to be able to sit down and just work on stuff over and over. And but what I was saying with this thing is like, the minute it clicked, it's just you know, Darby. I don't know if you have those moments where you're like. Oh, that opens up the whole story. It's like, I remember yep. watching Mandalorian. I had no idea what Mandalorian was about. That last moment, he sees the baby, and you're like, oh, this whole show is about that baby and taking care of it, and people are going to want it. And you just have that little element in there that's that just explodes all the story. And that's kind of, I think, looking for ideas is... Uh, just as much of a skill as whether writing or drawing or any of the any of the technical stuff but just coming up with those little nuggets of story that can propel everything for a long time so that that's super interesting and so michael you were telling me an anecdote you've, you've obviously had a long career really interesting career you're telling me the other day about an anecdote i think might be interesting to some of our listeners because we've talked on the pod here uh we discussed mouse uh, by art spiegelman i wonder i wonder if you could talk about that for a minute yeah i went to school of visual arts i was there uh from 86 to 90 and i was in the film department actually i was in the film department with mike Tokino, who the amazing composer um yeah and i took a cartooning class because i loved comics now i was never a superhero guy but i liked alternative comics and daily strips and things like that and harvey kurtzman the creator of men and he was pulled aside and said, "Hey, do you need a job?" And I said, yeah, "I could use some work." And he goes, "Our Spiegelman needs an assistant." And it was right around the time that Ice Mouse Two was coming out, and it, you know, originally we wanted it to, and and um, he was just crazy busy. He published another magazine, which was kind of a high art com comics magazine called Raw. So I worked mm -hmm. on Raw. I did production work. I shot stats. I didn't really 
I, I got to know him a little bit, but um, he was in and out real fast all the time. And, and uh, you know, at that time it was huge. And um, so, uh, but it was nice. I mean, I met so many big name sort of 70s, 60s and 70s cartoons. You know, you're in the office one day and Robert Crumbs comes in and you, hey, how's it going? You know, that sort of stuff. So yeah. good. Uh, it was a good way to get in the industry. And it was also nice to have someone like Kurtzman say, hey, you know, think about me and say, Hey, you know, you want some work. And it was, that was a real sort of, I felt very, um, you know, a little bit of a sign of approval. You know, That's fantastic. I love that. You, you're also, I think you told your neighbor is Richard Howell. Is that right? Yes. Richard, uh, not technically my next door neighbor. He lives about two blocks away. We lived in this town for about 11 yeah. years. I used to see this guy kind of walking down the street all the time. And he was, he was always walking to the tennis court kind of long hippie hair and, and uh, didn't know who he was. And someone said, Oh, this, that's Richard. He was, he was a cartoonist. You should get here and there a little bits, but a couple of years ago, we got to know each other better. There was a little town, the town had their own little comic con in the library. And so Richard and I sat in the basement and did drawings. And after that, he, um, he's got a lot of health issues. So he had started to ask me, could you run me to the doctor and stuff? So we've gotten to know each other really, really well now. And, and I didn't, okay. again, not being, not having a wide knowledge of superhero comics, I didn't really know um, uh, of his work. And then over the last couple of years, as Scarlet Witch and Vision has exploded, which was one of his big things, you know, he's, you know, he, he you know, he's like, I guess I got to get Disney plus so I can watch these shows, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, he's a little bit of a little bit of an old timey curmudgeon and stuff like that. But but he's a lovely guy. And um, but um, like a lot of those guys in the industry who they did a lot of work and it was it was work for hire. So, you know, they sort of gave all this stuff to Marvel. I mean, they got paid that day for that page, but there's not a lot of um, ownership to that. So I think there's you know, I think there's a lot of people in that industry that's staying a little bit, which is what's so weird about the children's book industry because i own this book i mean it's just mine which is so nice yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah Absolutely. we were talking about uh publishing uh, you know, on another episode and then this is the same thing that dar was in right yeah I, I, the, the great thing about um you know, a lot of those guys uh you know especially in the comic book industry uh, you know, the MCU is uh, making a mint off of a lot of their contributions and certainly Richard Howell counts among them. And yeah. we're, uh, you know, young, sort of younger generation of writers and artists and comic book people are all beneficiaries of their work and their efforts to, to get not only credit, but get their due. And I, I would love I love the MCU. I love Marvel. I would love for them to do a little bit better <laughs> by their creative people, for sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. he, he did get invited to the premiere. It's funny because they basically they just say, "Here's a chunk of money. You're invited to the career. Yeah. You know, you're invited to the premiere. You book your tickets and book your hotel and everything, but we'll pay for it all." And you know, he sort of had, he had to say, I, "I can't come out there. He's just he just can't do that." And um, so they do. They're aware of the people. It's just a matter of the scale of the amends they're making isn't isn't kind of uh, yeah. isn't balanced yeah mm -hmm. well that's so interesting I'm, I'm glad you shared that with us uh i'm a huge uh wanda fan i'm a huge scarlet witch person and and that run that he did with steve Englehart 
on uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch is a fantastic series and obviously had a major influence on where we're at now in the MCU. And um, But we've talked a lot about Wanda on the show, so today we're going to talk about Obi-Wan. <laughs> uh, so, I'm sorry, I, I know we're, uh, we're trying not to talk over each other. No worries, go ahead. Uh, when when um, Scarlet Witch, when they, when they uh, envisioned, when they moved out to the suburbs, they moved to Leonia, where I live. And so there's all these panels of them downtown, and there's all the buildings that, um, you know, he's like, oh, there's the bank and everything like that. And in fact, I took Richard to the bank one day because his ATM card had gotten um, eaten or something like that. And we were sitting together with a woman at the little desk, and she was doing all the paperwork and getting everything. And she's making, you know, conversation with him. Like, you know, I'm kind of hanging in the back. She's like, what do you do for a living? He's telling her. So I actually pulled up a screenshot of the drawing of that bank in one. I was like, this is what he made, you know. So then she loved oh, wow. it. She was like, oh, we didn't know that was there, you know. So it was a lot of fun. And, and he's so he's so crazy humble. And he, you know, he knows everybody. And he, uh, uh, you know, he went. He was in college with Kurt, um, I don't want to, uh, Busiak. And uh, I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. And um, Scott McCloud. Yeah. Those guys were all buddies and of his and um up in boston mm-hmm. i believe and they they all sort of started up together so that's awesome that that that's really cool to hear i'm a big comic book nerd so that's that's really cool um but yeah so obi-wan uh we're all we're all big star wars nerds as well and we really want to talk about obi-wan um and so i thought we just kind of die so we've got the first three episodes already somehow we're halfway through the show yeah um this is the halfway I, point. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I thought I thought the couple, you know I don't really have a lot of sort of you know I'd like to kind of hear everybody's thoughts and you know guest privileges, Michael. I'd like to hear where you're at first. Like, what's sort of your big picture thoughts on the show so far? What are you thinking? I think it's I think it's very well written. Yeah, and I think the characters are very well written. The one thing that has surprised me is we're now three episodes in and there hasn't been one big huge set piece even the the lightsaber fight was mm-hmm. very small and um mm-hmm. you know the first episode of mandalorian they had that uh the attack on that sort of bunker where the where grogu was at the end even the second season you had all the the sand people story and even boba fett they're in this big town and even you know just so the production feels very small and i don't i and i don't like using the word cheap but it's a, but i always feel like star wars is at least 50 percent visual you know you want to get sucked into that world and 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 sure. um but again i really like it though but it's it's just it's got a nice vibe it's got a i think it's i think this last episode was paced really well i think number two kind of just didn't seem as urgent you know kind of rescuing her um but I, you know, I'm enjoying it. And now I'm looking at it, you know, someone said, oh, this is a, this is a drama with some action in it. And I said, you know what, I can, I'll accept that. That seems, um, you know, acceptable. And if it's not the sort of pulpy week to week adventures of the Mandalorian, it's a different beast as long as it sort of delivers. It's just a matter of what we, what the kind of expectations we bring in. I mean, 1999 people expected a very different movie than Phantom Venice. Lots of people coming into it loved Phantom Menace because they didn't have a big giant history, 
us older guys mm-hmm. were sort of like, is this, whether it's good or bad, it just wasn't what we expected. Um, but I like Obi-Wan and I'm, I'm happy with any, if you're waiting for next week, if you're curious about next, next week, they've done their job. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sugu, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of the, uh, the, not necessarily the naysayer of it, but yeah, I think episode three could be renamed the episode of bad decisions. Uh, it just seems like everyone is making exactly the wrong decision that, that doesn't even fit with their character so much. Like it's just some of the decisions that the characters made feel very, um, plot driven like the plot needs them to do this and so we're just gonna we're just gonna have them do it and we're gonna skip over their internal rationale um we're not gonna worry about that too much but let's just do it anyway um now one of the things that darby and i have talked about over the past 20 years in terms of star wars is uh is there is a lot within every like within every uh clip that there's a lot behind the text of what's happening. There's a lot of subtext. There's a lot of um, things that you need to know to understand what's happening on screen. I'll be honest, I'm out of that. Um, I used to love Star Wars. Um, The original trilogy, loved them, uh, collected the toys there, was into it, read the books, the prequels. Like you said, it wasn't what I expected. Um, and I remember Darby and I were talking about this. I I used to always say that the prequels hinged on uh, number three, whether number three was any good or not. If three was good, then one and two becomes better. If three is bad, then it sinks one and two. Like one and two do not work on their own. They only work uh, with three and three. It hinges on three. Um, and so for that, I felt that three failed in what it was trying to do, which brought down one and two. So that was where I was pretty much out of Star Wars. Um, and then uh, for, forgive my ordering because I'm not sure the order of events, but episode seven came out and then Disney said, like, all of the expanded lore is no longer canon. So those two events came out. I'm like, all right, well, that's the end of that, right? Yeah. So I watched The Mandalorian based on Darb's uh, recommendation, and it was okay. I I liked what it was trying to do. I definitely liked that it was a story that was not about the Skywalker family, um, that it wasn't about the Force. I I really liked what it was trying to do. Book of Boba Fett. I didn't really understand why we needed that show and apparently neither did the writers because we were talking about the Mandalorian in the book of Boba Fett. Um, and then we're back to Obi-Wan and I think it's really interesting that here is Obi-Wan, like one of the kindest Jedi of the original order, the one who could sense like millions of people dying from a distance uh, from a distant planet right Mm -hmm. so the most empathetic of them and he is turning his back on all of that because remember the jedi tell on themselves they have to save everybody around them from the grand inquisitor so i thought that was a really cool turn that 
here is the one throughout the throughout all nine movies who is supposed to be the most empathetic, but he is literally turning his back on on that, on helping people and on the force. I thought that was a really interesting turn, and I don't see it really playing out. Um, and I, yeah, so as the show develops, it seems less about about what the first episode was and more kind of meandering into well, okay, to to understand my next comment, let me give you the little another backstory about something that I've noticed. The original the original trilogy is fine, it holds up on its own. When you introduce the prequels, suddenly it also introduces a bunch of continuity problems that now you have to go back into the original trilogy and fix those up. I'm seeing the same thing again with Obi-Wan because Remember, the first time we see Vader and Obi-Wan in Star Wars, when I left you, I was still a learner, but now I'm the master. Right. Okay. So we had all thought that was from Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, when he fell into the volcano-ish thing on Mustafar. Right? Like, okay, he was a learner. Now, based on Episode 3, spoilers, by the way, for Obi-Wan Episode 3. Yeah, we always forget. (laughs) (laughs) um now we see that vader and obi-wan met up again as vader and it's just like uh okay oh well you 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 got you got a lot there um i definitely talk about continuity that's something that michael and i actually talked about uh before the show in ways that the, the show lines up with continuity um specifically the i i don't think there and there's been conversation about it uh as the show has developed i don't think myself personally curious to know what you think michael i don't think there are any breaks in continuity with the show um vader in episode six and return of the jedi specifically tells luke that in their duel he tells him that obi-wan once thought as you do by that he meant that Luke thought he could turn Anakin back to the light. Right. Well, we never saw that in the prequels because Obi-Wan left Vader for dead. And so he assumed he was dead. And so that implied a meeting, a subsequent meeting between the two that we're now seeing, um, that I, I always understood to be the premise for this whole show. And that's kind of what's happening. And there's obviously going to be more to it as we go forward here in the next three episodes. But, um, I think the conversation, obviously, that first meeting between them, the only meeting between them in A New Hope is iconic. It's legendary. Everybody can quote the the entire scene verbatim. (laughs) Uh, But Vader does this thing throughout New Hope where he lets lines trail off and he doesn't end them. You know, he's like, a presence I haven't felt since dot, dot, dot. Well, that's this little dangle that you can put (laughs) anything on. You can hang anything on it. And he does the same. Uh, When I left you, I was the learner. Well, that's doesn't necessarily mean Mustafar, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that sort of final thing. And so I'm curious about how that plays out in this series, you know, with the dimensions of it. Um, what? Do, yeah, Michael, what do you think? Well, you know, just as you were saying that, you know, he could have just been saying when I left you. I mean, technically we left him, you know, before he joined Palpatine and before the whole Mace Windu incident. That's when he left him. Sure. And, you know, now I'm the master. It doesn't 
there are semantics and uh, I think semantics play a huge part in Star Wars. You know, in and not even um, not so much lies, but there's just you know there's a lot of vagueness and there's like like again he says Luke once thought or Obi Wan once thought as you do, so again that does imply that. came to vader and said hey man you know i can help you now i was a little shocked like anakin you can stop right away and 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 i hope that's what happens if they run into each other again i hope there's that kind of conversation like please you know we can help you you can get out of this join me run with me you know and and i think that would really Kind of an interesting and emotional idea, um, but you know, there's you know, I ground zero with with what things say and what what is said in the movies and people's interpretations of them. I always use this line because I remember back uh, when Attack of the Clones was coming out, and people were like, "Yoda has a lightsaber. Yoda didn't fight in a war." Now, what Yoda said was, "Wars not make one great." He's he's taken a dig at himself too. He fought in a war. Mm-hmm. He hated it. It didn't make him great. It broke him. So these you know, there's a lot of people who would say that that means he didn't fight in a war. Like, no. That means he's got insight and he's got history. And I think there's a lot of that in Star Wars. And and I know, I mean, when Lucas was writing it, you know, he talks about this immaculate real um the immaculate reality where everything on on screen is is believable. But I think he's sort of, uh, not to say left things vague, but he didn't say, you know, last year when we fought your father. He just said, when I fought your father. He was, I think that was really on purpose just to give it, like, because he didn't know if he was going to make a second film. So he sort of had to leave a little wiggle room. Wiggle, 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 wiggle room. Um, so again, I look at that sort of stuff as like, you know, it's all over the place. You can run into a friend you haven't seen in 20 years. And their perception of your time together could be very different. And they could say different things about when you met to different people. And and even Obi-Wan, you know, someone was saying about, um, oh gosh, the, I can't remember the example. Um, oh yeah, uh, your uncle wanted you to have this. With, uh, your, your, Obi- your father wanted you to have this when he was old enough. That never happened. He <laughs> was bringing Luke in. He was just lying to him saying, your dad was, you know, he was a great friend of mine. He, he was you know, uh, Vader killed him because we want to get rid of Vader and, and all sort of stuff. And I think, you know, there's a lot of that in Star Wars. Not not to say it's, you know, it's not a shit talking, but like there's, there is um, vagueness. And I think that's, I actually find that as one of the things I really like because I don't get super caught up in continuity because I understand this is a story that has been made over 40 years. And if you get to page uh, you know, if you get to your fifth book and you realize, you know what, I think it'd be a better story right now if this person dies. Even we're not, you know, I I, I actually believe in that. I, I really do, and I think there's um, again, you know, if if someone were to go back now and cut everything and tighten up, that's one thing. But as as this rolling rolling story, I'm cool with it. And Again, you, you were talking about books and stuff. Like, I never got wrapped up in the EU. I read some of it. But, you know, Lucas was kind of like, well, that's not really my thing. They can do what they want, you know. He, and um, so, I, you know, when that when EU disappeared, I was like, 
great. Now I know everything about Star Wars again because <laughs> that whole world sort of disappeared. And, there, and I know I read some good comics, and I know I read a couple novels I enjoyed, but I also sort of saw them as, uh, I mean, I don't sit there and say, whoa, this doesn't fit in, or or it's kind of like, you know, I was talking about Mad Max with, uh, with the book. The Mad Max movies don't line up in continuity at all. I kind of look at them as just their fairy tales being told in this wasteland. The way I look at them, because like they don't roll into each other exactly. And I'd rather see a super tight, exciting movie than something that's trying desperately to wait to a place of one line that's something that someone said five years ago in another movie. You know, to that, um, Darby and I were talking about this the post endgame MCU is starting to feel a bit like that. Like it's not really meant to be watched in a linear order, but stuff happens and they're, they're separate universes. And I'm fine with that. The other yeah. thing I was thinking in terms of the, uh, the extended expanded universe, the star Wars lore stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I always liked about it and I thought was always really fascinating is, um, have you ever heard of the term in like in computer software uh, open source? Yeah, sure. I always felt that the EU was like the open source of Star Wars, where you had people contributing to the lore, and that made it deeper. That made it like feel really well lived in. I know Lucas was kind of ambivalent about it. He didn't really care one way or another, but the fact that it all existed you know not all of it was great some of it was really bad some yes. of it was really good like the thrawn trilogy was my first introduction to the eu and it was a really well written book uh or uh three books <laughs> and i really got into it um a friend of mine really liked the was it x-wing academy series mm-hmm. um or rogue squadron that's what it was mm-hmm. but anyway uh he was into that um and I thought it was a really good place to kind of develop this, like this, because fanfic at the time was just starting to take off, but it was still very much kind of like, oh, what are you people doing? You shouldn't be doing that, right? And then Anne Rice came out with her whole interview with the vampire spiel against fanfic. But I always thought that EU was a really good kind of like boundary between that, where it was people literally expanding the lore and developing it i thought that was a really cool idea to get some really well thought out philosophies and ideas and then for disney to just say "Nah, we don't want to do that anymore i'm like but there's so much there that you can trawl from and get some amazing stories yeah yeah and i I think they've essentially done that um you know they've borrowed heavily uh, in some of the animated series and now live action, some of the concepts from uh, certainly Thrawn and some of those ideas. And, and so you see some of that. And some of the Obi-Wan series is informed, I think, by this this sort of time period was sort of covered pretty well by a lot of different books and comic books over the years. And you've seen different versions of this some of this play out in different ways. And I think Ewan McGregor's talked recently about the John Jackson Miller book in particular, how he read that before they started. And uh, so I, I think it does inform it in a way uh, like, like Michael, I was never married to any of the EU stuff. I really love the Timothy Zahn stuff. I really like some of the comic books. Uh, there's always really interesting ideas. There's, and there's a lot of bad ones and it's sort of, 
But I always, I was, you know, George Lucas was like, this stuff is not really part of it. And the stuff he liked, he, you know, some of the stuff came out of it, you know, Coruscant came out of the, came out of Timothy Zahn. And then, you know, he sort of, you know, there was a little bit of a back and forth, but I, the fan fiction thing real quick, I wanted to mention, you brought that up and I think that's interesting. And I think, you know, we're all fans and and some of the guys who are making this stuff are, are huge fans. And, you know, some people sort of think of all this as sort of just fan fiction now that's being made because George isn't behind it. That's okay. You know, however you want to think about it. I'm a big fan of headcanon, too. So if you love the EU and mm-hmm. and you're, that's your bag, Absolutely. that's cool. And if you don't, that's okay. However it works. One thing I think it's really interesting about Obi-Wan, I think, is the way that it sort of lines up with your headcanon or it doesn't at this particular time period. We're going to take a quick break to let you know about some exciting developments on the podcast. First of all, thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying it. Uh, if you like our content and you want more of it, you can subscribe to our channel and get additional conversations between Sugu and I. So stick around after the episode for a quick sample of what you could get. If you want to give us any feedback, feel free to let us know your thoughts and opinions at shelfwarmers at gmail.com or on Twitter at shelfwarmers. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. I, I, it seems like a lot of people like me love his connection with Leia and a Absolutely. lot of people don't. And I, I think it's glorious, but maybe we kind of touch on that real quick. Cause I, I, what, my favorite thing about the series so far is this relationship with Leia, which is, yeah, you right. know, it, it, it's, it's just great. Number one, the actress whose name I forget that they've got playing Leia is just fantastic. As she, you know, she's, she embodies, uh, sort of carries, uh, sort of spirit in a great way Vivian yeah and their dynamic is really good and I think it's a really really uh, unique part of the show that I think you know a lot most people didn't expect so what so yeah what do you guys think about that I'll go ahead Michael um yeah I you know I again I I think Leia is really well written. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, people are saying continuity, like, but she addresses him as General Kenobi. Years ago, you were, you know, you were, you, you were, you were served with my father, Kelowna's. But again, I look at it and say, you know what? Ben Kenobi and Leia, maybe they're together for two or three days, 10 years, and now it's 10 years later. Maybe she's never, ever talked to him again. She's a diplomat. She's got to address him by his you know, his formal name. And so like, you know, people are saying, oh, it doesn't meet. She, no, that doesn't work. I'm like, no, I, again, I, maybe I'm jumping through hoops to make it fit together. But again, like it just didn't, when I'm watching it, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I can roll with this. Well, Kenobi, he didn't. It just something he was saying to, you know, get to get Luke to go find, you know, Obi-Wan. Um, but yeah, and you know, you know, um, perception and what you are expecting is a huge thing, and I think that was the biggest surprise for me in '99, because people all had their own expectation of what the Star Wars prequels were going to be like. We had played that story as kids. We had played Darth Vader versus Young Obi Wan. We had thought about that. We knew something happened, and then when you see it, if it doesn't quite line up with your perceptions, it can be jarring. I mean, there's people who hate the fact that Obi-Wan even leaves Tatooine. I'm like, you can't, right. you can't, well, they didn't go with that, but 
can't just make a show that where they're just hanging around watching Luke. <laughs> it just wouldn't. If it were a two-hour movie, maybe I could buy it. But you know, like you know, I want to see a globe-trotting adventure, you know, or a galaxy-trotting adventure. Um, but uh, the other thing, you know, when you were um, talking about the EU. I think one of the other things that throws people off when they watch a television show or they watch a movie, especially if they're really wrapped up in the EU, is you get to a novel level of detail when you're reading and, you know, how the ships work. I remember in the Throne trilogy, there was a lot of, like, tactics and how they were going to bank the ships and go around them and the big ships and all these, you know, these big fights and stuff. Cool, cool stuff. You're not going to get that in a movie. And you're not certainly not going to get it in a Lucas movie where everything is just boom, 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 boom. So I think a lot of people went in having read EU for 91 to 99. That's eight years of this very detailed, interior thought-filled, character-driven sort of world. And they got, you know, Gungans blowing up blue things on a, on a, on a field, <laughs> which is visually crazy. Like my boys, I, my boys are um, uh, 16 and 18. And they're like, and they're just now sort of looking at star wars again like this was a really weird movie like this is like how did this like did you guys i mean like you know then but they like it but they're just like this is so strange i said yeah because just one guy paying his own way and making the movie that he wants to make right so i think there was a i think there was a big disconnect between what's in your head what kind of storytelling you exist uh, you you expect and um you know it's just uh, i think that creates a lot of uh, friction and i think that um you know when i when i watch kind of any movie or anything i try my hardest to give my confidence to the storyteller mm-hmm. it takes a long time for me to say oh this is just stupid or this isn't working or i'm just simply not interested i will sort of go with a lot of things because i'm just sort of like i'm gonna they may have a really cool purpose here and I'm going to see where it goes. Again, like like Obi-Wan, I am hoping, you know, my first comment was it felt kind of tiny. I'm hoping they're throwing their whole budget in episode six and there's going to be a huge scene. I mean, like a whole hour long scene, uh, a set piece or something like that. And and that would be really cool. Did you see um, uh, Midnight Mass on, Net- on Netflix? Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a long, maybe eight part horror film horror of um, vampire sort of thing but it builds and builds and builds and the middle of episode seven everything goes crazy everything just all the vampires come out and everything and then episode eight was an it felt like bigger than half the action movies you see it was this full-on horror movie thing you know monsters and things blowing up and everything and the build-up was beautiful so i'm like man i hope they're doing something like that with kenobi where they're just gonna ramp this thing up and then deliver some big big thing at the end which was you know Boba Fett kind of did that it would have made more it would have been more satisfying if we were more wrapped up in Boba Fett but they did have this big you know 40 minute battle at the end which was at least visually sort of compelling it's interesting that you bring that up because Darby and I we've talked in the prior episodes several prior episodes about how a lot of the TV shows like Hawkeye was our our go-to example about how they put everything in the last episode and then the first several episodes were just really like really kind of slow and meandering almost 
and then everything just was in the last and we were talking about whether that was a good strategy or not but uh darv i think i interrupted you you had something to say oh no i i uh i I agree with Michael. I, I sort of hope and expect that the series is going to go down like this. And I think one difference, I think, with something like Hawkeye, what you and I have been talking about, Sugu, was sort of that sort of that need to sort of dump everything, the the gotcha moments in the end. I think they dispensed with that here in episode three of Obi-Wan, where they got, you know, everybody's sort of anticipation was Obi-Wan and Invader were going to fight and that was going to be the big climax. So they actually get a lot of that tension out of the way right away and it actually frees up the series i think in a huge way so we're obviously going to get another bigger duel which i think is going to be cataclysmic mm -hmm. yeah. but now everything is sort of like well what's going on it's so like my entire theory for example my theory of reva is completely shifted in the third episode i've completely i'm curious what you guys think about this um i you know the first two episodes i thought reva sort of just driven by ambition her only real goal is to become grand inquisitor and then episode three goes down and i realized i think i realized reva doesn't care about that at all reva just wants to get in the same room with anakin because she wants to kill him what do you hmm. what do you yeah what do you guys think michael that's i you know i hadn't thought about that because you know there is you know i i don't know about that uh i only think that somehow something happened to her where she resents the jedi yeah she you know obviously we all think that's her in the very beginning when the when the younglings are all being chased we you know we're assuming that's her so obviously they got out somewhere who knows maybe they got maybe she got put in prison for 10 years and just hates the jedi and has been uh you know uh, it, it, it's it's um oh the syndrome when you become sympathetic with your captor yeah. um Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe it's something like that because she definitely, you know, she was a Jedi training to be a Jedi, and now she's sort of like, she's got a reason to hate them, and and I think, I'm curious. That's kind of that's kind of interesting because that's, I mean, I always thought like if you ever wanted to do a Darth Vader show, you do a Darth Vader show about a, a group of people who are like we got to kill Darth Vader somehow. We gotta. And it's an, I've seen it in comics where like they try to lure him to a place and there's like 200 clones there and they're gonna try to blow him up and like it's it's a very obvious story like like uh, you know how the Death Star plans were stolen but I think it's something that is so natural there would be this element how do we kill this and I wish that was one thing I was I really I wish they would have made him even like I want I want them to all call him a monster like they don't even know what he is he's this thing born of the Sith and he's He's a freak, you know, and you could, I mean, Bail Organa could have, could have really played up Vader as this terrifying thing. And, and, um, but, uh, that's, but that's an interesting idea. I'm, I'm curious, yeah, I'm curious as to where it's going to go too and what the, what her end game or, um, is. And I hope they deliver it. You know, that's again, you know, the sort of thing with television, you sort of, uh, you know, my, my favorite writing quote, Darby, you'll like this one, is, um, in the beginning of the story, you make a lot of promises. And then as you tell the story, you fulfill those promises, you know, and as you go, you sort of set up all these different things. Maybe you mention a place, a person in passing, you're going to meet that person. You're going to go to that place and you make all these little promises of a story. And then you deliver as you go. And the more you can deliver, the better you're going to get. And the more, you know, uh, more impactful, the, the more, the less out of the way you go to deliver them, the better the writing is going to be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I'm a big believer in that for sure. 
Uh, Sugu, what do you think about Riva? What's your sort of thoughts on her? I think your interpretation is really interesting, and I, I, I want to see more development on her because I've been, I've I've been fairly disappointed in what the development is, uh, so mm. far with her. Like, what is on, what is on the page, or right, or what is on what you actually see the textual. I've been fairly disappointed in her development because she seems to be either the most fascinating person in the store in the entire story or she seems to be the heart of the story the thing that's pulling the whole thing forward um and i think either of those directions could work as for the show like i think either of them would be a really interesting turn um but yeah the first three episodes i just haven't really been uh, a big fan of the development that they've had with her. Uh, yeah, I think I think it might even be maybe too much has been teased and almost like they're trying to kind of delay everything until the very end. Because, um, like, you know, I, I don't know if Darby, you and I have talked about this on the podcast or not, but you know a lot more about the Grand Inquisitors and the Inquisitors in general than I do. I am completely new to them so my first uh encounter with the inquisitors is this show like Mm -hmm. i've never seen them before so for me i'm starting out completely blank Uh, i'm like okay so i'm gradually finding out about them and i'm still wondering one why i care and two why does vader need them like to kind of do his bidding when you know, everything that we I've heard or the rumors and all have been he is the sole slaughterer of the Jedi. So how do these Inquisitors fit in? And oh wait, they're ex Jedi now, so there's an op there's an option now for Vader. Instead of slaughtering the Jedi, he can also turn them into Inquisitors. I find that kind of interesting. So I'm I'm catching up to the whole lore as the show is developing. Yeah. So let me, yeah, let me hit on that real quick. So I think we we're talking about before we started recording, uh, Michael was asking me about watching the shows. And, and so I watched these, uh, every one of these, I watched these a couple times. And I watched these as a fan, just a pure Star Wars nerd. And then I watch them a little bit more analytically. And this series in particular, I think, is very, very good, very, very rewarding for that kind of reading mm-hmm. the more you watch it. And one of the things about the Inquisitors in Episode 1 very first scene is when the grand inquisitor and Riva are arguing in the sort of cantina that they're in, that they're chasing mm-hmm. the Jedi. As you rewatch that scene, you realize the grand inquisitor makes that Jedi immediately in the cantina. Yeah. And yeah. he's just playing with his food because as he tells her, all we have left are scraps. Right. And he's trying to tell her, we have to make this last because when the Jedi are gone, so are we, we, we have no future. We have no function. Vader doesn't mm-hmm. need us. Palpatine doesn't need us you know we're we're you know we're hanging on by a thread so that's one of the tensions in the story the other one is this sort of you know Sith sort of you know ambition that they're all trying to climb over each other to get to the top spot which Palpatine has fostered throughout the entire saga because he's always got someone 
he's going to pull someone off the bench, right, to take to take the the new spot, to take this apprentice spot. So they're all angling for that. That was my first take on Riva was that Riva sort of angling to sort of become Vader's buddy and then ultimately knock out Vader. But I think really she wants to knock out Vader because her anger with Anakin goes back to Order sixty six and and. How does she know Anakin is Vader? That's a major question we don't have an answer to yet. Yeah. I'm really curious about that. But um, yeah, the Inquisitors are in it. That you know they've been built up in the animated series and the comic books. Um, I think the show's done a good job of sort of basically outlining who they are and what they're about. They hunt Jedi, but um, yeah, I you know I don't. What do you think, Michael, about all that stuff? You know, it's funny. I I. I always look, you know, again, Star Wars roots are pulp and they hunt Jedi. Sometimes that's all I need to go on. And and when you're (laughs) watching these stories, uh, I don't need a big backstory and and we're going to get one. So that's even more than what I kind of, I mean, again, I think a lot about the first Star Wars movie. You see Darth Vader. Who is this guy? He's just ripping the place up. Who is this guy? You know, he's a bad guy. And then you find out, oh, he knew Obi-Wan and he fought Obi-Wan and he, you know, hates the rebels. That's all you know in the first movie, those first two hours. You don't know about the father. You don't know about any of the. He's never played as sad until the end of Empire Strikes Back. After after the whole Luke reveal, then it becomes he becomes a tragic character. So that sort of slow build is is really okay with me. And um, you know, I think when you were saying, um, uh, you know, I I always thought Vader hunted all the Jedi too. But I and um, but I think also you they run into a problem where like if they just make the show about Obi Wan and Vader, they're so tied down to what they can yeah. and cannot yeah. because they can't they can't blow com- continuity completely wide open. And right. again, I know that Obi Wan's not going to die. I know that Vader's not going to die. So now when you throw these characters in, into the mix. You know, Leia's not going to die. So you have to have some characters in there where you don't know if they're coming out of this and you don't know if uh, what's going to happen with them. And that and that I kind of see is like, okay, you know, I, I again, I always did imagine kind of like the scene in this episode where Vader's walking down the street, like looking for a Jedi. I imagine that's what he did all the time. Like he just went, you know, and then he... You know, if there was a town that was giving the Empire a lot of, you know, pushback, he would go in and slaughter a bunch of people and hang them from trees and stuff like that. And they'd say, you got to behave. You know, I just, you know, he was a monster. So, um, but, uh, but this way, you know, you've got these uh, disposable characters and you've got, and also you have the idea that um, there were no Jedi left after Order 66 is just too far-fetched because the idea, mm-hmm. even within the stories, there's Jedi's kind of all over the place. And mm-hmm. we know they sent the message, do not come back. So the idea that there are other force users out there. And, and I think actually that's what there's, sh- I wonder sometimes also if this show is setting up a whole pure, a whole kind of like Mandalorian, a whole bunch of shows that can take place in this mid place. Cause that whole sort of underground railroad for the Jedi, mm-hmm. that's an amazing story nugget. Where do you go with that? And, uh, you know, what happens to all of them? You know, so you've got, and then, I mean, even even that whole thing about Obi-Wan's brother, I'm like, are they laying another story in here? Is that, you know, is, what, what that was really long when he was talking about his brother. You're like, wow, what what's going on with that? Are we going to, 
you know, and, 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 you know, then they're also painting the Jedi a little bit now as stealing kids from their families, even though it's supposed to be good. Um, I, you know, again, I, I, uh, I will let it go until I see the last episode. Like for instance, I just, you know, I just finished Ozarks a couple weeks ago and did not love the finale, but mm -hmm. until the finale, I was like, if you show me something in that last scene that sort of twists everything, or, or, or um, I keep thinking of like the finale of Breaking Bad and the finale, you know, Walter gets killed and Jesse breaks out and he gets in his car and he zooms away and you're just like, yes, at least there was some sort of release there, but it happened in the last shot. So I, until those last credits roll, I'm going to hang back, especially in television. You just got to like, let it roll. And as long, as long as I'm curious as to like with Boba Fett, I stopped, like, I was like, I'll watch it, but I'm not. I'm so lost. I am so un. I am so confused as to why he wants what he wants. That you know, I'm just like, oh, I hope there's some cool monsters in it this week. You know, so. Yeah. Michael, do you think being a writer plays into sort of like your sort of patience and reading stories like this? Uh, yeah, it absolutely does, and it also, I, I think, um, you know, I had a friend years and years ago. Uh, we were watching the trailer for the speed racer movie yeah <laughs> it's terrible and i'm like that looks amazing he's like why would you and i said because it looks like nothing else it looks like a cartoon brought yeah. to life yeah it looks just it's and, and again because it was so different and i that's why i mean that's what sort of i love i love the idea that someone went out and did let's just make a movie version of this cartoon and really really went to town with it and you know later a couple of days later he was talking to me about it. he goes you know he's like you've got a good attitude about this stuff you know and i said yeah i try not to like i believe there's movies i hate and there's tv shows i hate and, and like i'm just like this went nowhere um so i wasted my time on this but i also sort of give um a lot of leeway and and um sort of uh again if i'm thinking about next week like oh what's gonna happen because now in, in obi-wan like everything we thought was going to happen has happened. And we're only halfway mm. through, which is a great place to be in advertising. Like they didn't show anything from the back end. I was like, this is great. This could go anywhere now. And obviously there's going to, we're going to see some of those people who've gone through the Jedi, uh, you know, the, the, the pathway or whatever they called it. You know, mm -hmm. we might even see Quinlan Vos or Oz, whatever he is, or there could be, he's got his own show, you know, whatever. So I'm, I'm up for it. And also, episodic storytelling i mean you, you guys read marvel it's pieces and pieces and pieces and pieces and hopefully then you've got a 12 issue series that really brings everything home but sometimes mm -hmm. you just have that episode that is hopefully in an exciting way just getting people from here to there so mm -hmm. definitely i yeah i agree i i um i i, I think the most looking ahead to the end of the series i think it's so unexpected i think they've really you know you've gotten to the big moments already with vader and obi-wan and and so you kind of have a sense of you know we're going to have a rematch obviously but i'm most curious about from a character and a thematic standpoint i i think i'm most curious about how obi-wan gets to this place we know he's going to get which is this place of recommitment to his duty and his purpose this rediscovery of his connection to the mm -hmm. force and this sort of sense of peace and, and wisdom that he inevitably arrives at, because the thing I've been most struck by in the show is um, 
I knew this going in, but it really struck me watching the first couple episodes was, you know, we're, we're living in just an absolutely awful moment, uh, despairing moment. Uh, everything is, it feels hopeless and helpless. You have a character in Obi-Wan who feels the same way. And this is a strong character, a wise character, a her- heroic character, really without peer. And here he is at his most broken and feeling there's no point to anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what am I doing out here? What am I doing? Why am I doing it? And then he meets Leia, who is endless wellspring of optimism and determination. And we know who she becomes and we know what she represents. And the two of them playing together just in this, you know, the way that the story sort of evolves is sort of reassuring and and sort of I, I want I really want to see I want to see that moment where Obi-Wan gets back up on the horse and even though he knows that Anakin is gone that he can't he can't save Anakin that that you know he did he played his role in Anakin's life that um that this is going to work out and I I think that's that's the thing I'm most looking forward to but what about you Sugu what are you thinking about all that Yeah there's a a, a lot to kind of piece together and and I'm sure I've forgotten a lot of the thoughts that I had, but um, <laughs> one of the, one of the things you know that Michael said that that comes back to one of the first things I said about Star Wars, and that I agree is that Obi Wan, like I I'm patient with it. I'm I'm watching it. I'm I'm into it enough to kind of mm-hmm. see how it how it goes, but it it starts to really feel like it's hinging on the last episode it starts to feel like it's hinging on like the success of the whole is all dependent on the last either episode or the last set piece or the big climax. Um, And I'm, and I'm a bit skeptical of situations like that. We've seen that play out in several TV shows recently. We've seen that play out in several movies. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, I just, I I wish there is more to that uh, throughout the whole epi- throughout the whole series. The other thing is that, you know, as you were saying, Darb, that this episode, uh, this series starts with Obi Wan at kind of his lowest. Star Wars really uh, developed the concept of the prequel in general. Like there before Episode One, there wasn't really too much about prequels. Um, well, now I kind of want to see an Obi-Wan Kenobi prequel show, like how he, the 10, the past 10 years, how he went from, I will take his son, give him to his family and I'll watch it over him in Tatooine from there to broken slicing desert whale meat (laughs) and giving it to a camel. Uh, Like I, I, I want to see that progression of like where he decided his best course of action for safety is to bury his lightsaber and forget everything about the force. Like he has no desire to even like use it even just a little bit. Like I was, I, I thought we were going to see him do like some rudimentary thing of you don't need to see my papers or anything like that to the stormtroopers, hinting towards episode four. Now don't get me wrong. If he had done that, I would have groused and complained all day about that because it's just way too obvious foreshadowing but he didn't do it like at all he is absolutely opposed to using the force until it was about saving leia from a fall that's interesting and how did we get there how did we break obi-wan the empathetic jedi of all of the jedi knights how did we break him so much 
that he turns his like the whole village that he lived in was under threat from the inquisitors and he said nothing he did nothing well that's to me that's fascinating i agree I, i'm curious what you think about this too michael I, my sort of read on that was he's in that scene he had with the jedi the jedi he was talking to in the desert that his obi-wan's primary concern the reason he's not doing anything is because he that to do so would expose luke i i agree and i think you know one thing that they've rarely ever I, there was one thing about star wars i don't know and i wish they would show it somehow I want to know how people get news in the Star Wars gap. <laughs> yeah. so, so, has Obi-Wan, you know, when he goes into Reddit town, for Star Wars. does he buy a newspaper? <laughs> or is he, is, he, is he watching a video screen of the Empire just, you know, this planet betrayed the Empire, so we took this city down. Don't you, you know, or is he just wallowing in the propaganda? Is he aware of how bad it is out there? And that's one thing I've always wanted to see in the Star Wars universe, like how they find out about stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, I was shocked at how broken they made him. But I realized, again, you got this great story idea where he's like, you know, again, he could have used the force on the the meat the meat boss, and, you know, to get that guy his pay and stuff like that, which better be the last fucking scene, excuse me, better be the last <laughs> scene in the show where, you know, everything is done. Obi-Wan's back cutting the thing, and the guy goes, eh, your, your wages. He's like, these are half. They, they were yesterday. And Obi-Wan just goes, you deserve a raise. And the guy goes, you deserve a raise, and gives the guy money, and the guy runs out. I hope if that's not the last scene, I'm going to spit, because it would be so wonderful. And they've set it up. They've made a promise that Obi-Wan has an issue with this boss. But again, you know, does he want to out himself, and does he want to... I mean, I, you know, oh, a couple of years ago, you and I were always talking like, and I, you know, just as sort of little exercises, what would I do with an Obi-Wan show? Honestly, it's so weirdly similar than what I, because I was like, well, the first thing you do, you got to get him off the planet. Yep. And the whole mm -hmm. idea is that now Luke is exposed. And I always thought it would be cool. Like if there was another Jedi who was like when they, another Jedi who finds out that Luke is Vader's son, it's like, we can't let him live. And, you know, and, and Obi-Wan would have to fight another Jedi that maybe he knew growing up or something like that, which would also sort of tie into Luke thinking about killing Kylo. Like, where they sort of, like, they get so wrapped up in it where they're just like, this kid is too dangerous to live. Um, or, or with Mace Windu, like, kill him, kill him, kill him. You know, I was like, that would have been cool. But this is so similar to where he's on the run. He's trying to do something. Obviously, he's thinking about Luke. You know, eventually, I think they're going to find their way back to Tatooine and realize there's something of there's another force sensitive person there who's real strong. Um, but you know, and I, I did not expect Obi Wan not to use the force right away. I thought, oh, he's going to do little things. He's going to make people trip. He's going to, you know, do that sort of stuff. And then, you know, the fact that I'm trying to remember, he didn't even turn on his lightsaber until Vader turned it on. If mm -hmm. I if I remember, like he was just yeah. he was that that broken. And I, you know, I think partially partially it's just. He knew he'd failed, and now his life is just here, and you can't can't get out there and fight, and it's just a, you know, it's just a hard hard life, and um, and that I really liked, and and I was um, not expecting it to be him to start. So I'm doing this. I'm lifting my arms like a, a gate, <laughs> so low. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, I, I, I'm looking forward to the end as well. I think we're going to get a lot of unexpected stuff. I do think um, one of the things I wanted to, to mention was you had mentioned sort of maybe there's a, a lot of story potential in the, in the path and, and the sort of uh, network that's throughout the galaxy. I do think there's enormous potential there, uh, maybe for Quinlan or other people, maybe even Ahsoka at this point in time. Um, so I'm curious about if we're going to meet some of these folks next week, maybe Quinlan, maybe somebody I feel like we're going to meet um, and, and kind of help Obi-Wan get back on the horse a little bit. Um, one thing I want to mention real quick, maybe as we wrap up Obi-Wan is I sort of expected at this point that we would, because we had Hayden, that we would get a lot of flashbacks and that hasn't happened. And I, mm. I'm, I'm thinking maybe I'm kind of worried. What, what do you guys think? Um, you know, I've wondered, I always wondered about that because I was like, you know, they need him for something mm-hmm. not in the suit. And they did that little weird vision in the desert, which was nice. And, you know, I um, I don't know if it would work, but could they show him in the helmet like Tony Stark, you know, like talking and, and all messed? I don't know. I don't know if that would work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't maybe make it in the Star Wars universe. So it, it, it could be interesting, you know, and, and I, I agree that maybe there would be more with him. You know, you're saying, um, you know, it's all depending on, on episode six. I think it's all dependent on episode four right now. Because if four pushes things forward in a really interesting way, then it's a sprint to the end. But if four seems kind of sluggish and like if it if it's sort of meandering, because now you know Obi Wan's got to get better. He's going to that place. At least we have an ex- expectation of what next week is, and and, it, and hopefully it delivers something that adds to the lore and the complications. I think so. I think Reva is going to kidnap Leia and she's going to take her to Vader. And Obi-Wan's like, I got I to fix this because we got three more movies after this. I can't let this shit go down. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think episode four will be a shift and you'll show, uh, you'll see the Mandalorian as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mando, Mando would be a kid right now. I was so frustrated with Boba Fett. <laughs> that when the Mandalorian showed up, I'm like, "Oh, this is cool," and then I'm like, "It's gonna go back to Boba Fett, right?" Then it was a whole episode. I was like, "Wow, that was kind of gutsy and interesting," and it was just so good. You didn't care. You're like, "I'm on board. I miss this character." And then the next episode, when there was four, <laughs> I was like, "Wow," you know. I, I still like, like Boba Fett was. What the hell did he want? And is he still a crime lord? I mean, he's. I assume he's still collecting like protection money from everybody he's not a good guy is he i mean he's still a crime lord like i i I don't get it if honestly like if they had if they had just made that show about him living in the desert and meeting the the sand people and finding a family it could have been real cool like i really wanted him at the end to ride off into the desert with the woman and the child because if i remember they didn't show them dead right um i was like that would be real but we know again we know he ends up with uh, Mandalorian, or I, I don't know, maybe that could even be after, I don't remember. Um, but, I, you know, so at least this, I think I just see so much more uh, connectivity and 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 um, focus in, in Obi-Wan to where, like, you know, I know what everyone wants. There is drama, and let's see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, 
I thought it'd be kind of cool for us to touch on. So they so last week was celebration, Star Wars celebration. Uh, they announced a ton. There was a bunch of trailers. There's a bunch of announcements. I thought it'd be kind of fun um, as we're looking ahead to the end of Obi Wan to also look ahead to a little bit of what's going to be coming here and maybe just get some quick sort of thoughts on some of these things. So, Michael, what did you think of the trailer for Andor? Uh, other than it didn't have any aliens in it, <laughs> um, I really, I mean, it was just, it, it felt kind of like Rogue One. It felt like it was in the Star Wars universe, but it's just twisted a little bit. It's just a different storyteller. It felt, you know, mature. It felt much more like a drama. Um, you know, Gilroy and those guys, and the, the writers, his brother wrote some of the episodes. His brother was the one who made um, Night Stalker with Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, and mm. that's a great movie. So, you know, I, I'm hoping, because, again, that one took forever to make. I'm hoping they've got a super tight espionage script that makes everything fall in place. It's a matter of what, is there something that Andor does that leads into um, kind of the rebellion or somehow, like, even if he was just like, you know, even if it was securing a fleet of Y-Wings that they're going to steal from some place or something, but, you know, it has to, it takes a while to get there and they have to know and they got to find out where the rebels are, you know, whatever. I don't know, but like, I'm, again, I'm up for it. I'm pretty much up for anything at this point. And, and um, I, you know, it has a good look and it's got, it's got solid directors and I'm up for it. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Sigur? Uh, we had homework. For this Always. <laughs> Always. Uh, I, to be honest, I didn't know any of the the celebration or the trailers. I, it just news doesn't travel like that for me. So, you had told me that some trailers would come out and that we should mm-hmm. watch them before our episode with Michael. I'm like, mm-hmm. great, send me the link, and I didn't see anything. So I have no idea what is Andor. Andor is uh, sort of a prequel series to, so it's Cassian Andor from Rogue One. Diego Luna is returning as Andor. And this is, uh, it appears to be taking place at uh, different times of his life. So I think we're going to get when he's pretty young during the Clone Wars or some clone troopers mm-hmm. and during the period right up around Rogue One. And it looks to be sort of a spy thriller, sort of a politi- political espionage. You got okay. Genevieve O'Reilly's coming back as Mon Mothma. And uh, she it seems to be some really interesting sort of, you know, palace drama stuff going on okay. there. Um, it looks amazing. It has a great visual style. It's very unique. It's very different from what we've seen so far. And so I'm, I'm really curious about it. And uh, Tony Gilroy, he stepped in and sort of uh, did some open heart surgery on Rogue One at the end there to get it over the line. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, so I'm guessing, Sue, you also did not see... <laughs> Uh, the trailers for uh, Bad Batch or Willow. Uh, no, I'm writing them down to watch after the recording. <laughs> okay. So All Bad right. Batch, I already saw the first episode of that, didn't I? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like this is season two, yeah. Oh, season two. Yeah, season yeah. one was last year. So yeah. So this is season two. So, Michael, what do you think of those? Are we, you and I talked a little bit about Willow. I'm clearly more excited about Willow than you are, but <laughs> yeah, you know, Willow came out. What year did Willow come out? Like 87, 87, 88, Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I was in college, and 
you know, I was a big Lucas fan and I wanted to see it. <laughs> I brought my buddy. And the minute those dogs start going through the woods, he goes, I hate this. <laughs> and I just was, I think I was just a little outside of it. I was, you know, I was, fil- I was in film school. I was kind of looking at it very critically. I have never loved fantasy in, in general. Like I was just always a sci-fi guy. Everything mm-hmm. from Planet of the Apes to Star Trek when I was a kid. You know, so, and um, I remember, and I, I remember it being, good like but i just have no i i think i saw it once in the theater i don't know if i've ever seen it again other than maybe watching the scene with the dragon on youtube or something like that so um but again i love i love um uh warwick and you know i've watched seen a lot of his britain you know his comedies and stuff like that he's you know he's a really sharp guy so i'm I'm hoping and i'm I'm actually i'm I'm interested i'm i will again i'll watch it i'll see if it grabs me it it might just be not my thing and and yeah. bad batch i um i watch bad batch i don't really think of it not to say oh, it's a kid show i'm not gonna uh it just doesn't uh have the weight of anything yet like like i really liked rebels i thought rebels really yeah. got got down and dirty pretty quick and, and was a very sad show for you know what people say oh it's a kid show and um so um you know i and then and of all the projects i'm trying to think you know uh, Ahsoka is just going to be another Boba Fett, I think, where Mando's in it and this person's in it, and every it's just kind of that story going on. But I'm interested in the Acolyte because mm. it takes place uh, was like a hundred years earlier, they're saying or something, and it's about the Sith and and bringing seducing someone to the dark side. I'm like that could be a really cool take on that. And the woman who created that one did the. Um, yeah. Uh, what did she do? The um, she did Russian Doll, Leslie Headland. Yeah. Yeah, which was excellent. So I outstanding. I, you know, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping that there's that kind of level, and you could be. I think it'd be really. I mean, I want to see a Star Wars show that kind of plays like religious zealots, and they're you know starting a cult almost, and how do you bring someone into a cult, and you know, and it just is all about that. It could be really cool. I don't know. It might be very very different than what I'm thinking, but. Um, but uh, it at least sounds way outside the box, which is cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that too. And that, that's it, you know, that I love Russian doll, that standing series. I love the idea of going back a little bit, uh, uh, into this would be the high Republic era, uh, of the, the whole thing and maybe getting some prequel vibes, maybe, maybe getting a little bit possibly into the origin of Palpatine. That might be interesting, um and then uh and bad batch i'm with him? you comp- it, what's that and who slept with him sure oh yeah right sure uh bad batch i'm with you i'm it's it's i i watch it it's okay nothing major but um yeah i am looking forward to ahsoka i think that could be really interesting especially because i agree with you on rebels as well this appears to be just a straight up rebel sequel so that could be that could be super interesting but um, and then there was uh, Skeleton Crew was the other big uh, announcement. And that is interesting because they've got Jude Law. We don't really know a ton about it, but Jude Law is going to start. And John Watts is going to direct. And John Watts, who just uh, left Fantastic Four, uh, apparently to do this. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's – and, and uh, I believe he directed – like before this – he did 
he did all three Spider-Mans, if I'm correct. Did he? Yeah. Yep. Before that, he did a movie called Cop Car. Did you ever see Cop Car? No. Um, it's it's about these kids who find a cop car out in the forest, out in the field. It's got the keys in it, and they steal it. And you know, the cop is a dirty cop, and he has to chase them down. It's a great little drama. And so, um, you know, and I saw. I don't think I I, I I'm kind of lost on Spider-Man, but I know I really enjoyed the any you know the recent ones. Um, so he seems like a really super bright guy and, you know, um, I've been waiting for them to do something with kids eventually somewhere. And if anyone's going to do yeah. it, he can really do it well. So it could for be cool. Sure. And, you know, and, um, again, I kind of like, kind of like Mando, like we didn't know what we were getting at all. We just kind of went in like there's a star Wars TV show. Let's, and we knew what a Mandalorian is and that was about it. And so I kind of like this idea of like, okay, this is in the universe that takes place then what's going to happen, you know? And, and, uh, so who knows? Yeah. Um, any final thoughts guys on Obi-Wan or star Wars in general? Uh, or... just, just real quickly to recap, yeah. uh, to review my homework, I guess I need to watch <laughs> star Wars Andor, bad batch rebels, Willow, Ahsoka, acolyte, skeleton crew, and cop car. Is that all that's yeah. coming up? By like twenty twenty five, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, so I've got some time. Three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Definitely. Yeah, and you know what? I like the fact that they run them once a week. And I know when Mandalorian came out, people were like, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> but um, I read a great article about how when Netflix Netflix had started dropping big shows like season twos, people would watch them that weekend. Social media would blow up for a couple days and then it was done because everyone who was real into it was talking about the whole thing. And when they did Mando, they realized we could have that social media bump every week. And I was like, that's a really cool yeah. idea. And as much as I kind of wish I could go forward, there's that coolness of like, all right, a little bit of time, what's going on. And then my favorite thing is kind of like, you know, when the week gets busy and you realize, oh, wow it's this morning. I totally forgot. And you run down and watch it or, or at least the night before. And you were like, Oh my God, it's already Wednesday. Great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read that same article actually. And another one too, about um, like the psychology of TV viewing habits or something like that it says the same thing that the slow burn is much better, even for our mental health, like just kind of being able to, to, <laughs> yeah. to do that. And like uh, it, a lot of benefits come with it. You mental health, um, social status, like you can actually, develop communities and networks over this long period of time discussing it and digesting it and all that and it gives you the ability to go deeper into the story and kind of look at the themes and the philosophies and and all that all that's there um for myself i prefer having the whole series all at once and i i trickle watch on my own like i i don't have the kind of time to binge watch so that's not an issue for me. Um, like, uh, uh, Darb, we, our next, uh, episode that we're going to have, uh, foreshadow or forewarning is about Dune. And it's taking me four or five days to watch the Dune movie. I still haven't finished it. <laughs> I've got, I think 30 minutes left in the thing just cause I don't have that kind of time to even watch a two and a half hour movie in one chunk. So the trickle watching is fine for me and I think it's great. 
the reason I would prefer the whole thing is just that I know it exists. Um, like there's a show on Netflix called Glow that yeah. the first three seasons were quite good and then it just got up and canceled. So like there is a season four, there is a conclusion to that story and it doesn't exist. That's Netflix for you. <laughs> you know, honestly, you know, I was talking to someone, I was like, that's television for you. Battlestar yeah, yeah. Galactica, the original Battlestar, they never, they, they had to like make a whole other show to get them to earth just because people were like, when the show got canceled, I think, you know, any entertainment, um, and, and Netflix is so weird because Netflix's whole business model is bringing in new viewers. Mm -hmm. So even if 5 million people watch uh, um, uh, Stranger Things the day it comes out, if they only brought in 100,000 viewers on that, it's a disaster, you know? Yeah. And so it's a weird thing. And, and I and I sort of like, you know, I have, there's book series that I read when I was young that never finished. I, it's it's just sort of I kind of expect it, not expect it, but it's like it sucks. But I roll with it. And when I you know it's funny when I was first dating my wife, um, she was really into Farscape, and I, I had not seen it. Uh, I didn't have cable at the time in Brooklyn. I I just just didn't bother. I was renting things and stuff like that. And she's like, oh, and I just we got in the car. And I used to read all the movie sites every day. I was like, oh, they they're canceling Farscape, and she's like, what? <laughs> and she was so broken. She's like, oh, this sucks. And they're, they're going to need this story and that. They didn't, they never find it. And I'm like, wow, I don't, you know, didn't know where this right, was coming right. from. But, you know. But I do understand the idea of having the whole thing there and watching it. And um, it's funny. I don't, I no longer buy any physical media. But there's mm. people I know who are like, oh, I'm buying the new Indiana Jones Blu-ray set. And I'm like don't you have one like 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 been released over and over but they're like i want to make sure i have it like and you know if it disappears on streaming i want to make sure it's there I, you know i'm like all right you know so it's you know we're all different with that so i mean but that's the thing right like with streaming media you do run that risk um for example i mean i'm in japan and netflix japan used to have the marvel movies but then it because it went to Disney Plus because of that whole purchase, they got pulled off. So that means I've lost access to the Marvel movies. Um, so I I gotta buy the physical media or at least have some way to kind of not guarantee ownership, but at least that I don't have to you know keep on keep on spending right. Like there is benefit for that, especially traveling internationally, where you, sometimes you can't really control it and. You know, tech alert, VPNs are not a good safety option. <laughs> Do you have Disney Plus in Japan? It just came out. Okay, all right. But so uh, Disney Plus is fine because that's a huge company. But yeah, the, the one that really broke my heart, so to speak, uh, Star Trek Discovery. That was on Netflix in Japan. It was on Paramount or whatever the CBS one in America, but yep. it was still on Netflix Japan. But then the last season, it got pulled. So Star Trek Discovery is no longer on Netflix for me, which means I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck. How like I don't even have CBS in, in Japan like that. That doesn't come here. Man. So I'm kind of like that part is infuriating 
um, <laughs> where where that is now the norm. So for for me, it's important that the thing exists if I'm going to spend the time to invest in watching it. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, maybe we might leave it there for Obi Wan. Uh, this is really good discussion. I, I'm in love with this show. Uh, I'm looking forward to see where it's going. But um, Michael, where can people find you? Uh, find you and your work online. Um, uh, my books are. I mean, online on Amazon is the easiest. All my books yeah. are stuff. And I, I don't have a website right now, but I do. Um, Twitter and I do a lot on Instagram. I post a lot of art and stuff. And just Michael Rex, you'll, I think it's under Fangbone Rex, but if you search Michael Rex, you'll get it, you know? So, you know, I wanted to leave with one thought about Obi-Wan. There's, if there's, again, if there's a job I could do for Lucasfilm, this is the job I want for Lucasfilm. I want to work as an assistant director Mm. and I want to be the guy who puts in Star Wars moments. And I had a perfect example. In the uh, the last episode, Obi-Wan runs from Vader. He runs into that sort of gravel yard. It would have been so cool if there were just a couple little aliens like Ugnaughts or something like that just having a, a, a dinner break. And, he's like, <laughs> get out, get out. and you have that whimsy, that little weird, not a joke, but that little bit of reality and that sort of like throws you and that is so... You know, even I was watching Revenge of the Sith recently. I watched the last 20 minutes just to see. And, you know, even in that middle, that very serious battle, when Anakin gets on the droid, it's like, you know, there's like a little whimsical, funny moment there Mm -hmm. that this galaxy is strange. Yeah. And that's, I'd love just to be like, let's put in this little, little thing here and let's put in this little guy here. I would love, that would be my, my, my dream job. So. <laughs> I'll tell you, I probably told you this before, Michael. I, my one uh, Lucasfilm dream job too was to work on an Obi Wan Kenobi show, and so this is a lot of fun to kind of finally see. But yeah, in an alternate reality, I'm I'm doing something. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my dream. Good. Good. That'll do it for today, folks. Thanks again for joining us once again. I'm Darby Harn, and you can find more information about me and my books at my website, darbyharn.com. I'm also on Twitter at Darby Harn. Sugu, how can they find out more about us in the podcast? You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach us at our email address, shelfwarmers at gmail.com. Send us feedback about the show, your thoughts, opinions, recommendations, and insights on our perspectives. We're always happy to hear from you, our audience, and we'd love to share your opinions on our next show. Again, that's shelfwarmers at gmail.com. And if email isn't your thing, we're also on Twitter. You can reach us at shelfwarmers. Give us a holler. We have new episodes every Friday. As always, remember to stay safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and get vaccinated when you can. Stick around to listen to a free clip of more content from us. Subscribe today and you can hear the rest of the following and more. Bye-bye.